TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. And welcome to Hardline on this last Sunday in August. I'm Brenda Olasey, and Joe Beamer is with us as well, and we have a packed show. In just a moment, we'll talk with Vic Martucci, the political strategist, and uh, we'll get into the whole uh, review of the Republican National Convention and other issues related to the upcoming election. Never a dull moment there for sure. Later, we'll talk with uh, WIVB Sports Director Josh Reed, who is going to uh, give us his take on how sports and politics intersect in today's ever-changing world. And then in the second hour, we'll discuss uh, some of the Skyway options that were released with Congressman Brian Higgins. So please stay tuned, and uh, we always welcome your calls and texts. 803-0930 is the call-in number. And if you'd like to text us on the uh, Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, it's 716-803-0930. And Joe, good morning. Welcome. How's everything in your world? Well, Brenda, good morning. Uh, Everything's going well. A little exhausted after a day of moving yesterday, but uh, happy to be here. And as you know, my motto If there's a monster energy nearby, I'll be all right. Uh, I'm sure you were uh, pounding a few of those when you moved. (laughs) Isn't moving like one of the worst things you have to do as an adult? I just, uh, you know, always dreaded that whole process. It makes you not want to move again. That's true. Yes. Like when when we get a house, I hope I live in that house for whenever my time is. From the time I buy it to whenever my time is because it is such a pain. And uh, let's just say Katie and I are very last minute when it came to this move. So that might have added to the stress as well. <laughs> yeah, being organized and uh, planning ahead is key. And it can uh, take some of the stress out. But no matter what, Joe, it's, uh, it's a pain. No, uh, no, any oh, yeah. way you cut it, it's not easy. So. Luckily, she's the organized one. And then I'm the one just saying, oh, we'll be fine. Let's wait till tomorrow. Well, it's probably good that you're both not the same. So you yeah, can uh, have exactly. that yin and yang. Let's just hope that... Uh, that works out for you uh, and when you move into a house because that's a bigger project. But in any case, uh, a good distraction for you, my friend, because we have plenty of politics on the table and much to chew on. And we'll start our show this morning with Vic Martucci. And Vic is a political strategist. And uh, Vic, we welcome you to the show. It's great to have you on board to talk uh, about the current events of the day. Hello, Vic. Can you hear me? Hello. I got you now. Welcome. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet. Vic is a partner at Massiello Martucci and Calabrese, a lobbying government relations and communication services. And Vic, I got to ask you, how did you, how did Tony Massiello end up with top billing here? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because because Tony is Mr. Buffalo, and um, and and his name is the marquee name. I have no um, no problem. Uh, acquiescing that to uh, Tony Massiello. Well, that's very gracious. And, you know, it begs the question, uh, Joe and I talk a lot on this show about 
people who have different political philosophies and approaches and how divisive the country has become. And yet here you and Carol Calabres, uh, your other partner, are Republican and you work with uh, Tony Messiello who was and is a Democrat, was the mayor of the city of Buffalo as a Democrat. And how do you all coexist? Is it, what, what's your secret formula for coexistence? Um, respect. Uh, we, we respect each other's opinions. We respect each other's intellect. Um, and there was a day uh, in this country when that's the way it was in government, when, uh, when both sides could uh, disagree without being disagreeable. Um, it's a very troubling trend where uh, in this country on both sides of the aisle, um, if somebody disagrees with you ideologically, uh, not only um, do you tell them you're wrong, uh, but you question their, their intent or their motives for holding the positions that they hold. And, and that's not a good thing. Um, we're a diverse country with diverse opinions, um, diverse lifestyles, and that comes with diverse opinions. And um, if we could all learn to respect each other a little bit more, this would be a better country. You know, Vic, I, I noticed these ad hominem attacks uh, to your point about that, that people can respectfully disagree, but it's gone to a lower level. I won't say it's a higher level because I think it's more in the gutter where people like to attack others personally about their views. And it's becoming uglier and uglier. Uh, what do you think needs to change to, uh, to make this happen? It looks like it's spiraling out of control, in my opinion. Well, I, I, unfortunately, the, the, the process... Um, the political process in our country um, is is becoming so toxic that um, the vast majority of people that are in the middle um, are are being turned off by politics, and so elections are becoming base elections, and by that I mean that the fringes in both parties are the are the people that come out and vote typically in primaries. And those are the candidates then that end up on the ballot in the general election. So the, the, the candidates that, that run in November that ultimately get elected are a reflection of the base of the respective political parties. Um, we need to get back to electing people to uh, government that are there to get things done, to work with the other side, and to work for the benefit of the, uh, the people of, of, of this country. Um, and, and, and there are, there are lots of examples of that. Don't get me wrong. And, and in my business, I work with a lot of them. Um, but the trend is going the other way is a lot of these good people retire or in many cases they're losing in primaries to more radical candidates from the left and the right and, and party primaries. Some very good people have, have, have been voted out of office and, um, that's not a good thing for our country. So with that said, if you look on a national level, you had the two conventions the last two weeks. What convention do you think did a better job of getting those independent voters, of getting those that might not be on the fringe, but might slightly lead one way or the other? Well, I, I think, first of all, when you look at conventions, the, the, the goal of, of a convention, presidential convention, is to, in the case of a, a a new candidate, the challenger, to introduce that challenger to the country. And on, uh, for the incumbent, it's to uh, remind people of why uh, he or she was elected four years previously. 
Um, and and so these two conventions this year, you look at the at the at the polling, the national polling, and forty five percent of Joe Biden's voters say they're voting for Joe Biden. Fifty five percent say they're voting against Donald Trump. And so you'll see what you did see in the Democrat convention was um, speakers uh, making the case why Donald Trump should not be reelected. And that's consistent with the polling. Donald Trump's voter, uh, voters, on the other hand, 65% of those voters are voting for Donald Trump, not against uh, Joe Biden. And so you saw a convention uh, on the Republican side where speakers were making the case for another four years, um, highlighting the successes, the policy successes of, of the president's first term, um, and, and why he should be reelected. And remember what I said earlier, these are base elections, right? So most of the convention um, speeches were directed at the bases because first and foremost, if your base doesn't come out to vote, um, you don't have a chance to win. And then there was some, uh, some attempt to, uh, uh, to, to attract um, swing voters and on the Democrat side, um, they were making the argument, and, uh, and, and Joe Biden said it in his speech, um, Trump has cloaked America in darkness. Character, compassion, and decency is on the ballot. So that's clearly the, um, the messaging from the Democrat side. Um, and on the Republican side, Trump talked about the great American co- economy that he built, and he'll build it again. Um, so you can see how how the, the conventions were geared towards not only the base, but then trying to reach out to swing voters. And and in my opinion, the key group, the key group of swing voters is going to be um, suburban women. Um, and in 2016, uh, Donald Trump did not do well with suburban women, but he made up for that by attracting um uh, blue-collar Democrats uh, with his trade policy and his populist message. Um, he may not be able to do that again this year. He, he, he needs to broaden his base. And, and so he's going to talk about civil unrest and, and crime in the streets um, in, in big cities to try and attract that vote. On the Democrat side, um, they're talking about his mishandling of the COVID crisis, um, health care, climate change, issues that um, are typically important to uh, uh, suburban women. So they will be competing for those votes on, on that messaging. Um, finally, I guess I would say from a pure production standpoint, um, you know, the, the Republican convention uh, being staged at the White House, the the, the imagery was, was, was much more powerful, in my opinion, than, than, than the Democrat convention, which was more um, a collection or a compilation of, of Zoom presentations. Um, but uh, in the end, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the bounce that either candidate gets from their convention usually wears off within a week to 10 days. Um, and you get past Labor Day and the campaign is on. I have a a two-part follow-up. Number one, 
Joe Biden only having of his voters 45% actually voting for him, the other 55 voting against Donald Trump. Is that an issue when it comes to enthusiasm and getting people to the polls? And number two, is likability a factor in 2020? Um, first of all, on, on the, uh, uh, the turnout, um, we're going to find out. It, it, it varies from election to election. Now, in 2016, um, Donald Trump was in the same position. Uh, more, more of his voters were voting against Hillary Clinton than were voting for Donald Trump. And, uh, and he, he got his vote out. Um, in the battleground states, and we can talk about that a little bit because one of the mistakes that people and, and pundits make when they analyze elections is they look at national polling, and we, we don't elect presidents directly in this country. We have 50 presidential elections in the 50 states. Um, and so uh, I would say if, if history is, is precedent, um, then um, you know Biden's base should be motivated. Um, they're motivated to come out and vote against Donald Trump. Um, and I'm sorry, what was your what was your second question? Oh, is in 2020 is likability really a factor? Do we see people voting just because someone's likable, or are they mostly voting because of policy? Yeah, I I don't see. Uh, I, again, it 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 depends on who the voter is. I mean, voters are not homogenous in this country on what motivates them to vote for a particular candidate. Um, Donald Trump's voters like the way Donald Trump behaves. <laughs> and, you know, I, I know that's disturbing to people that don't like Donald Trump, but, um, you know, Donald Trump is a disruptor. He, he, he uh, breaks down norms, um, and his, his base likes that. Um, Joe Biden's base is, is the opposite. They, they, like, they like Joe Biden because not only because of his policies, but because he's reassuring to them. Um, and, and so it, it, it really depends on, on, you know, what segment of the voting population you're talking about. You know, Vic, uh, I'm glad you're mentioning about the, uh, the percentages and the targets because um, there was some polling evidence that Trump has a slight upper hand when it comes to confronting crime. And suburban white people, who are certainly a top Trump target, were particularly likely to say that Joe Biden would probably make them less safe from crime, not more, by a 20-point margin, according to this poll that was conducted by ABC News and The Washington Post. But yet, a lot of the, the folks who were polled said they dislike how Trump has responded uh, to crime and how he's handling the protest. Can they come to any sort of agreement in your mind or... I guess uh, another question I would ask you, if you were advising him, how would you tell him to position his statements on this? Well, uh, I, I, how I would advise him is um, I would acknowledge first and foremost um, the, um, th that there, are, there is peaceful protesting going on in this country. Um, acknowledge that. Don't, don't paint a picture that all the protests are violent. Um, but then um, he can certainly zero in on the fact that um, the, the, the violent protests are harming the, uh, the movement, the, the, the movement that, that's going on in this country for, for civil rights and, 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 and equality. 
um, because nobody can justify the violence that we're seeing in in, in the streets. Um, but you know that's that's a message to expand his base, and so he has to wa- walk that tightrope, right? He he has to make sure that he's energizing his base to come out and vote, and that's the red meat. Um, but then he has to broaden the base to 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 ensure reelection. Um, and, and I don't think the real harsh tone is going to be successful in trying to broaden his base. Um, Joe Biden has the same problem, by the way. Um, and it's just from the opposite perspective. So, uh, both of these candidates are going to be walking a tightrope, uh, from now until November, um, in terms of their messaging. And, uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Vic, there was reports this morning that President Trump may visit Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, this week, and uh, you know certainly it's been there's been plenty of publicity about what happened there, where Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back by Kenosha officers. Uh, again, I'll ask your opinion: Would you advise him to uh, to take that trip? Absolutely. Um, number one, because of the, the the high profile of the issue, and and by the way, the re- the reason that the civil unrest is is percolating to the top in in terms of the debate in the presidential election Uh, one of the reasons is because um we're seeing a dramatic drop in 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 covid um, uh, infection rates around the country so even though we're not nearly back to where we were before the pandemic um, covid is not the top of mind issue right now um, and and the uh, the civil rights movement is, um, and so he's responding to the um, uh, the, the the issue that's uh, that's most prevalent in in the campaign. Um, and by going to Wisconsin, he's showing leadership. That's the that's the advantage that the incumbent has. Whenever there's a crisis. A, that, a crisis can make or break an incumbent, particularly a president, a governor, a mayor of a city, and how he or she handles that can make or break their, their reelection effort. And, and he has to show leadership because that's the advantage he has over Joe Biden in this race. And um, I think it's entirely appropriate, and I think it's, it's smart from a strategic standpoint for him to do that. And by the way, Wisconsin is is one of those battleground states right. that Trump won in 2016, that uh, President Obama won in, in uh, 2012 and 2008. Speaking of battlegrounds and one that the president almost won in 2016, uh, this morning it was released that six Democratic mayors in Minnesota are supporting President Trump with all the unrest that's going on. They also touted his economy. Will stuff like that, politicians like mayors from another party putting their support behind the president, would that help him in states like Minnesota? Absolutely, um, particularly given how close it was four years ago in, in Minnesota. Um, you know, you look at the battleground states right now, um, and, and I follow um, the Real Clear Politics website. It's a, it's a compilation of all the national and, and state polls. And um, three weeks ago, Joe Biden had an eight-point lead in the, in, in the nine battleground states. Today, that lead is down to 2.7%. Um, the race is tightening in those battleground states. 
And, and, and that's where this election is going to be won. Um, you know, you've, you've got 41 states that's pretty much decided how they're going to go. And you've got nine states that are going to determine the election. And that's where the fight is going to be. And um, uh, so any advantage that Donald Trump can gain in a battleground state, particularly one that he didn't win four years ago, um, is is huge for him. And, and I would say that that, it, that will be the case in Minnesota. Vic, a couple of questions more on a local level. Uh, can Rob Ort, as the Senate mi- minority leader, um, make any difference in the New York Assembly? And, and uh, will it have any impact locally? And secondly, um, how harmful uh, will it be, in your opinion, that Chris Jacobs voted uh, voted the wrong way and had to explain his error uh, when talking about the Postal Service um, investment or, you know, support? Well, first, with, with Senator Ort, um, I think Senator Ort is a, is, is a realist, number one. Um, and and uh, when you look at the, the demographics of the uh, 63 Senate districts around New York State, um, it, it's not realistic that the Republicans can can regain control of the state Senate this year. Um, so his strategy, I would assume, is he's going to um, target Democrats that were elected for the first time two years ago. Typically, incumbents are their most vulnerable in their first run for reelection, um, and he'll try to win some of those seats back. And and his goal is to is to get the Republican conference to a number that gives him greater leverage in, in negotiating with the, um, with the majority leader um, for uh, legislation that's important to Republican senators back in their district um, and, and having some say um, in, in, in budget negotiations. But it, it really is unrealistic to think that that uh, the Republicans could regain control of the of the state Senate. Um, with respect to Chris Jacobs, um, you know <laughs> that that and in and, and full disclosure, by the way, I, I'm a financial contributor to Chris Jacobs, so I I think that's important for your listeners to know as I answer this question. But I really don't think things like that um, have an impact. What has an impact is he was very clear before he took that vote how he was going to vote. Um, and, uh, and, and, and by the way, in an act that is um, uh, 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 an, an example of, of uh, graciousness and bipartisanship, um, Buffalo Democrat Congressman Brian Higgins helped Chris um, correct his vote. And that's the kind of um, individual that Brian Higgins is, that he, you know, he, 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 he puts um, the, the good of, of, of government and, and the country first um, before, his, before his own ideology. Um, so I don't think that's going to have an impact at all on, on Chris Jacobs. Well, Vic, we couldn't have planned it any better because we opened your segment talking about uh, Democrats and Republicans showing support for one another, even with deep philosophical and political differences. And it's nice to hear that Brian Higgins helped out uh, Chris Jacobs. They're on opposite sides of the aisle, obviously, but uh, it is a show of, of uh, kindness and compassion. And as you point out, ultimately, the good, uh, good government for the people who need to benefit from it. Yeah, we've we've been fortunate so far in Western New York, um, where we have 
uh, where Democrats and Republicans tend to work together for the for the good of the region. Um, you know, Brian has always been that way. Um, I expect Chris Jacobs will be that way. Chris was that way in the in the uh, state Senate. And, you know, in the state legislature, the, the, the Western New York delegation in both the Senate and the Assembly have a history of working well together for the good of the region. Republicans and Democrats working together um, to make sure that Western New York um, is heard and is and, and plays a prominent role in in not only state legislation, but the state budget proceedings and um, uh other areas of the state could uh, could learn a lesson from how Western New York handles that. Well put. Vic Martucci from Massiello, Martucci, and Calabrese, thank you so much for coming on today, taking some time out of a Sunday morning, Vic. Joe and I appreciate it. Oh, I had fun. Thank you very much for having me. You bet. And when we come back, Brenda and I will break down a few things that happened this week. Remember, 11 o'clock, it's stacked. We have Josh Reed at 11.06 and Congressman Brian Higgins at 11.30. So stay tuned. So much more after a very late check of news. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The Step Back 3. You bitch! Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Here is Alan. Well, good morning. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you until noon. Don't forget, starting at 11, we have Josh Reed and then 1130, Congressman Brian Higgins to talk about happenings in Washington and um, some movement on the Skyway removal. So he will join us at 1130. If you have any questions for the congressman, you can text him in 803-0930 on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. Brenda, nothing short to talk about this weekend. It seems like every three or four uh, hours there was something new thrown into the political world. Yes, and I also wanted to mention uh, how sad uh, I was about the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And you may say, well, what the heck does that have to do with politics or, or government talk? Um, it, uh, Barack Obama weighed in on his passing, and he was saying how important it was to show a black man who portrayed a superhero and how that was a good example for uh, young black people who needed a role model like that. And from all accounts, Boseman was just a terrific guy. Um, there were a lot of people locally who talked about him, everybody from Tim Clark to Mayor Brown, who worked with him when they shot the Thurgood Marshall movie here. You remember that, Joe, about four years ago? That's right. Yeah, I saw uh, I saw local leaders talking about their time uh, spent with him. Yeah, and he seemed like a, a really great guy, and he was very helpful. And apparently he was quite interested in the history of the African-American community here in Western New York, visiting different sites and, and uh, different historic places in Buffalo. And I, it struck me, too, that they filmed that movie here about four years ago, and it seems that that's when he was first diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. So uh, a pretty tough diagnosis, and yet it was kept under wraps, which, Joe, in today's day and age is really remarkable because there's really not much 
privacy or anonymity these days uh, with not only broadcast media, you know, cable media, but also social media. So uh, I hope he rests in peace. Yeah, for sure. And, and like you said, it was four years ago he found out he had colon cancer. And all the stuff he did, all the movies he made while in remission, while going through treatment, uh, they said a few movies he w- filmed scenes while he was going through chemotherapy. Here's a oh. quick uh, a quick rap from Derek Dennis on the passing. So many expressing their condolences to Bozeman's family after his death Friday from colon cancer. Bozeman's family saying in a statement, a true fighter, Chadwick persevered through it all, brought you many of the films you have come to love so much. The president of Howard University, Bozeman's alma mater, tweeting his incredible talent will be forever immortalized after his journey from student to superhero. Marvel Studios producer of Black Panther tweeting, our hearts are broken and our thoughts are with Chadwick's family. And actress Angela Bassett, who played Bozeman's mother in the movie, posted on Instagram, All you possessed, Chadwick, you freely gave. Rest now, sweet prince. Derek Dennis, ABC News. And Brenda, one of his, uh, I think one of his best movies, I mean, he was a great actor, don't get me wrong, but uh, the the movie 42 on the life of Jackie Robinson. Yes. That yes. was a great movie, the way he portrayed it. And reading about how he studied to, to uh, do that role in the movie 42, I mean, the guy really uh, wanted to know every aspect of the movies that he uh, put himself into. It's so disheartening, Joe, that, that young people uh, lose their life to this just insidious disease. You know, it's touched my family's life. And uh, you read about a young, vibrant man like uh, Bozeman, who was in his 40s, had just recently gotten married. It just it's really heartbreaking. So uh, but at least he had a, a very positive impact in his his short life and made uh, an impression on everybody from Barack Obama to probably little kids watching him on the silver screen. So there's something good to be said for that. For sure, for sure. Well, rest in peace. And uh, Brenda, also something we talked about with Vic, he was talking about that boost that the president needed after the RNC of that any candidate gets after their convention. Well, it looks like, Brenda, he might not have gotten the boost he wants, but I want to talk to you about this after this piece because I want to ask you about shy Trump voters. So take a listen. This is after the RNC. Despite the backdrop of the White House, opera, and fireworks, the celebration at the RNC had little impact on President Trump's approval rating, according to a new ABC Ipsos poll. Less than one-third, 31% of the country, has a favorable view of the president in the days after he accepted the nomination. That's unchanged since the last poll, when his favorability rating stood at 32%. And a clear majority of Americans, 63%, disapprove of Trump's oversight of the pandemic crisis. Most of the attendees at the RNC did not wear masks. Among Democrats, Biden's favorability climbed seven points after his convention. Todd Ant, ABC News. Now, Brenda, I have two questions. Uh, The first, I want to know your opinion because I asked it to Vic. Do you think favorability translates into votes? Because I, I know a lot of people who might not like the president, might not like his personality, but like the way he handles certain things. I think that it does translate into votes because some people just can't stomach certain political leaders. I heard that many, many times about Hillary Clinton in the last election, where they voted for Donald Trump because they were so anti-Hillary. And (laughs) it's like the political um, views and tenets go out the window because it does become a personality contest at that point. So, and I hear it to this day, Joe. I was talking to um, some friends the other day. We were talking about the election, the upcoming election, the last election. And 
this woman said to me, you know, I don't particularly like Trump, but I cannot stomach Hillary. I, there was no way I could vote for her. And I've heard other people say that as well. So, yes, to answer your question directly, I think it does uh, impact that tremendously. But do you think, looking at what's going on in Wisconsin, what went on in Portland, what we hear about in Chicago every weekend, do you think that is going to influence people to say, hey, you know what, I don't like his tone, I don't like the way he's handled certain things, but I do think that this country needs law and order, and he seems to be the one that's actually talking about it, unlike the guy who rarely will leave his basement. Well, I definitely think that uh, Trump is smart, whoever is, is advising him, and he actually seems to be taking that advice because we know that he doesn't always listen to his strategists. Uh, and that's part of his appeal, I think, for many people, is that he's kind of always going rogue and kind of saying and doing whatever's on his mind. Uh, but to position himself as the law and order guy makes a lot of sense. I mean, there is so much turmoil. Joe, I don't know if you saw the video this morning in Portland where a guy was shot. I mean, there's some very explicit, disturbing video online about what happened in Portland. There was a disturbing scene in Buffalo yesterday uh, where people were uh, protesting uh, Black Lives Matter, and they were showing folks on Hurdle Avenue uh, con being confronted by two guys, one of whom had a knife. Uh, and, and the police were there, and there was a lot of talk about the police didn't do anything, and others were saying, push back, you don't belong here. I mean, there's just a lot, a lot of, um, it, to me, it's like a powder keg, Joe, where it's going to blow anytime soon. So to position yourself as the law and order guy uh, absolutely makes sense to me. And I think uh, despite maybe some of his foibles and tendencies that people don't like, they will overlook that to vote for a person who seems to espouse those principles. Although it seems to be out of control. It's like, okay, you, you're talking about law and order. Well, where is it? Where is it? How do you make it work? Right. 803-0930 if you'd like to get on board. Also, the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board, same number, and that is open. Brenda, I, um, you know, this week, filling in for Tom, I talked a lot about people jumping to conclusions, and, and I think we've seen that a lot in the Jacob Blake case. Uh, do you think it's irresponsible of politicians to not wait for an investigation and to just talk. We had the lieutenant governor of Wisconsin pretty much say that investigation wasn't necessary to know what we saw. Do you think that is the wrong uh, stance by politicians or is yes. it a case by case thing? No, I think you absolutely have to investigate. What appears to be on the surface may not be the reality at all. And, and it may be the reality, but how do you know until you actually investigate? The last thing we need in this country, in my opinion, is to have these knee-jerk reactions of people who are doing things and then reacting, and it turns into complete and utter turmoil, rioting, you know, uh, protests, social discourse, people getting hurt, uh, people digging their heels in because you're not going to have any sort of political discourse. We talk about it all the time. How do you ever come to any peace or agreement when people are so dug in? And I think this kind of knee-jerk reaction is the wrong way to go. You have to have some investigation. There's two sides to every story. Even in the George Floyd case, Joe, I mean, nobody in their right mind, I think, would ever defend putting uh, a knee on a guy's neck like that. Now, George Floyd was no saint, believe me. I've read about him, too. And Jacob Blake has a checkered past, too. But it doesn't mean that you should have you know, a police officer's knee on your neck for nine minutes right. or shot in the back seven times. It, it, there's just so many things that are going wrong in this country that, that concern me greatly. Um, 
you know, for folks who have young kids or even teenagers, I'd be, I, I'm really worried for them coming up in this world right now. Well, you know, I, the, the Jacob Blake thing, I, I'm waiting for an investigation. I mean, if you watch the videos, again, if, if you've listened to the station during the week, you know my opinion. I don't want to get too far into that. Uh, but the George Floyd thing, the thing that bothers me is everyone says, well, look, you know, what was in his system. And, and you can do that. But regardless a officer's knee should never have been on his neck. I, I don't right. care what was in his system. That was uncalled for. I mean, George Floyd was in handcuffs. He was unarmed. That was completely uncalled for. Jacob Blake, now we'll wait to see the investigation, Brenda, uh, but it did seem that he was reaching in his car for a knife after resisting arrest. But like I said, let, let's not jump to conclusions. Let's see what the uh, report shows. How about we take some calls? Let's do it. Let's go to Buffalo and talk to Tom. Tom, good Sunday morning. Hey, good morning, gang. I, I listen to you guys a lot all week, and, 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 and we have to admit that you are on one side of the argument more than you are fair. Now, if we look at, there was a video this week of a white guy getting into his truck and threatening to kill a, a police officer who had a gun on him, and he didn't get shot in the back for some reason, let alone seven times. So you're saying there's a clear distinction between suspects who are black and those who are white. Was it the same police force? Uh, was it in Kenosha, Wisconsin? No. But does, so what's the comparison? Does that make a difference? Was it in Kenosha, Wisconsin? John in Rochester. Hey, John. Hey, Joe. Hey, Brenda. Morning, John. I just wanted to comment on uh, this uh, Kenosha thing. Uh, we had a case here in Rochester about three years ago where an officer chased down a black suspect, I, I believe it was about a robbery, <clears throat> and uh, he didn't have his gun out. He chased him down, caught him, grabbed him by the back of the neck. The suspect turned around and shot him right in the face and killed the officer. Uh, this uh, situation that happened in Kenosha uh, with this uh, Blake guy, uh, Similar in a lot of respects. The officer grabbed the suspect uh, by by the back as he went into the car. He didn't know if he was going after a gun or not. This the similarities was pretty striking to me. And these officers are un, under unbelievable uh, stress. And you know the question uh, you have a uh, sports guy coming on at uh, eleven o'clock. Yeah, Josh Reed from WIVB. Yeah, one of the questions I asked, I would ask Josh, because of these boycotts that are happening over uh, police brutality, supposedly, uh, one thing I want to question, and I question a lot of media on, is, is the fact that statistically it's proven that whites are more likely to be abused by police or murdered by police than blacks when you consider some of these stats. One stat being uh, there are 6% six, 6 of uh, black males in this country commit 44% of the homicides. Uh, 70 to 75% of shootings and robberies in New York City are committed by uh, blacks. Uh, 3 to 4% are committed by whites. In Chicago, 80% of the homicides are committed by blacks, 1% committed by whites. Statistically, whites, when you look at those statistics, blacks are actually getting a break from the police. I think the police bend over backwards not to uh, abuse black suspects, but the, the the frequency of the crimes, the violent crimes committed by black, especially black males, uh, makes their uh, uh, contact with police, this creates what's, what's happening out there. 
And I'd like to hear Josh comment on that because of these boycotts. These boycotts are based on, upon false narrative. The false narrative is that blacks are being the targets. They're not being the targets. We're giving you statistics. I'd like to get his comments on that. Well, John, let me ask you a question. Do you feel that the police were justified in putting their knee on George Floyd's neck? Not, not to that extent. I think the adrenaline was flowing. It turned out, as you know, George Floyd died, didn't die of asphyxiation. He died of a heart attack, uh, and he was high on some kind of drug. He was high on fentanyl. Is this, he's like, I, no, I don't think it was justified for nine minutes. I, I wouldn't have done it for nine minutes. I think this cop was angry at him, and I don't think it was. I don't think it's been proved yet. It was a race, racist. Uh, situation. He actually knew the George Floyd, uh, right. and I don't think they got along personally. I don't think it was a letter black. That's my opinion. It might be proven in the courts. Who knows? Well, well there were reports that uh, the cop Derek Chauvin and George Floyd worked at the same club. Uh, I don't know if there's any personal animosity. It sounds like uh, Chauvin didn't get along with a lot of people. Even fellow officers talked about right. his abrasive personality. His brand- but, uh, you look at the stats. I think the stats show that the police bend over backwards uh, for blacks because of what's happening. Uh, they're under the, the microscope. But there's a point where I gave you the example that a poor officer in Rochester had two little kids, uh, didn't pull his gun out. He went after the guy, tried to uh, restrain him, and got shot right in the face and died. Horrible. He, Just horrible. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's just so many tragic cases like that. And then you see something else, uh, John and Joe, that, that makes you really scratch your head. I saw a video, and Joe, I know you're always on social media too, uh, of Brandon Marshall, the football player, ex-football player, who was moving into his palatial mansion. And authorities came by and were questioning him because he's black, he said. Uh, so I think that, that a lot of people are you know, quick to make these knee-jerk assumptions about others when they see them. And I think that's the bigger point. Uh, it's, a, it's a really tough, tough issue. And, and certainly, you know, nobody's going to solve it by just talking about it on a Sunday morning. But it's important, I think, to shine a light on what's happening in our society because it's only getting worse. Right. And, and I'll, say, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I've been saying this for the last few months now. We, we obviously have to get rid of uh bad cops and we have to get rid of and this goes for anywhere we have to get people that have this mindset to judge someone the minute they see them i mean it's 2020 the fact that there are still people that do that i mean it's it's awful i'm not going to sit here and deny that there's racism in this country and we got to do everything we can to make sure there's not but not every example not every time something happens, it's because of race. Now, again, if this turns out that it was racially motivated, if it turns out these cops didn't have justification um, to, to pull their gun or to shoot this guy, then obviously they should be punished to the fullest extent. Yes, I do. And I think the caller earlier, Joe, uh, raised a good point about uh, the differences, you know, and you were asking whether it was in Kenosha or not. I, I don't think you can just, you can just, you know, look at, generalize oh these officers did this and these didn't i think you have to compare within the same the same uh the same police force but it's happening all over the place you know that's the thing it's not isolated to the midwest and wisconsin or the craziness the war zone that has become chicago it's happening all over the place even in smaller communities 
So uh, much to chew on, and we certainly welcome your texts and calls at 803-0930. Joe, ready for a break? I, I think so. When we come back, we'll have WIVB Sports Director Josh Reed joining us and Congressman Brian Higgins at 1130 here on News Radio 930 WBEM. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.